stand and worship.
bear your cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasure you found Jesus is calling
praise you this morning. We thank you that you've made a way for each one of us. To walk with you and have power over sin and death. We praise you and we ask that you would teach us this morning. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to each one of us. Give us power to walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thanks very much, guys and gals. So, welcome. Hey, when everybody walked in, they probably saw an info card on their desk or on their seat there. Did everybody get that? Oops. Everybody see the info card? So, this is going to be one of those awkward moments in the service where we ask everybody to take a moment and to fill out a card. And uh, maybe you, when you arrived, you already filled it out. But what we're trying to do is update our database and... So we're trying to get updated information from everybody. So we're going to take a minute in the service to do that, just to take care of some church business. And then we will get to um, the rest of the service. So uh, fill out your name. If, you, if, there's any, been any, if there's been any kind of email changes or address changes or whatever, just go ahead and fill that out. And we promise to keep all of this information in-house. And uh, it'll be really, really helpful to our team so, yeah, we got a few people. I think first service, I was the only one who filled it out. That's what it felt like anyway. I looked up and nobody's filling it out. So thank you for taking the time to fill it out. When you are done, hold on to that. And at the end of the service, as you walk out, the greeters will collect your communication card. Sound good? I feel like we should pray again. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. We just continue to invite your presence, Lord. And as we teach through 2 Timothy chapter 3 today... We pray, God, that you would, as Jim said, God, that you'd give us ears to hear, Lord, that we'd hear, that we'd be excited and responsive and challenged and ready to move forward in Jesus' name. So thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We love you. We bless you, Lord. And, and for those going through hard stuff this week, a lot of people are, have been sick, uh, have had surgical procedures. We lost uh, a member of our family uh, our church family, Andrew, and um, Lord, it's just been a challenging week on a lot of different levels. And so we pray, God, that you administer your mercy, minister your peace, minister your grace, Lord God, where healing is needed for people's bodies. God, we pray that you minister in Jesus' name, where people are needing encouragement spiritually and emotionally, Lord God, I pray that you build people up, encourage people, and help people to continue to trust you, to continue to believe you, and continue to follow you all the days of their lives. No matter what life throws at us, Lord, you are faithful, and uh, you give us the grace to walk, it, walk through it, Lord. So thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A quick update on my dad. I asked last week everybody to pray because I was going to be flying out to Denver. So last Sunday night, I flew out to Denver, spent uh, a few days in Denver with my dad, and um, uh, we made the tough decision to put him on hospice. Very, very difficult decision. He's a young guy, 72 years old, and so to put somebody at 72 on hospice, it's just a, a hard decision, but he's got some dementia going on, and uh, so mentally he's not where he needs to be to be on his own. Physically, he's really um, not in a good place. His heart, they've detected some heart issues, um, and uh, he's not physically fit to even get out of bed. So... 
Uh, thanks for praying for him. It was really a, a good week to be there and a hard week to be there. Um, so um, the, I guess the good news is that my siblings and I, we were all kind of collaborating to try to figure out what to do. He doesn't have a will, so uh, if you haven't gotten your, <laughs> your end-of-life stuff scored away, get it scored away, especially if you're 72 or above. <laughs> so that'd be really helpful. Um, before we get into 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 3, why do, you, why do you need to knock on the fridge before you open the door? Why would you need to knock on the fridge before you open the door? Well, the salad is dressing, so you, you just, <laughs> just want to be careful. 2 Timothy, hey, some applause, very good. Usually people just boo at my jokes, but today I got some applause. All that does is encourage me. <laughs> All that does is encourage me. I'm encouraged. Thanks very much. Helping others avoid the dangers of the last days. That what that's what we're talking about today. The last days include the entire period between the first century and the return of Christ. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we say end times. So when Paul is talking about the end times, he's talking about what's going on in his day and age, but then also what's been going on for the last 2,000 years. So um, helping others avoid the dangers of the last days. Last week, we learned how to gain God's approval. And these things, these things that we learned last week will actually help us to help others. If we're doing the things that God has called us to do, it will actually equip us and prepare us to help others who God has put in our path you know, God has given us an assignment in the earth to make a difference and to communicate the truth and to love people this side of heaven. So we said last week, how do you gain God's approval? Number one, be a good worker. And basically what that means is do the work that God has called you to do. We read about Paul told Timothy, be a good worker. Be faithful to the work that God has called you to do. We're not saying work as unto salvation, but we're saying the work, we're saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with our works, but... Our assignments have everything to do with our works, and we're actually going to stand before the Lord and give an account to God for the things that we have done or have not done in the earth. So essentially, the, the challenge and the encouragement is to be a good worker. Then number two, turn away from evil. That's obvious. And then number three, do life with like-minded people. We need each other. We gather at church to be encouraged together, to pray for one another, to hear the word, to worship together. And hopefully from there we go into small groups throughout the week where we can gather and do the same thing where we're praying together and loving on each other. I meet with a, a group, like I said last week, on Friday mornings at 6 a.m. And then I meet with other pastors throughout the week and just for the purpose of growing together and praying together and loving on each other together. And, uh, and then out of that, we're able to be filled up. We're filled up and we're able to overflow and bless others in the world that we come in, in contact with. And so kind of that's what it's all about. Be a good worker, turn away from evil, do life with like-minded people. So this week, let's revisit the last two verses from 2 Timothy chapter 2 because they set up the passage for 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the the focus of this week's message. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26 says this, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Uh, a number of years ago, I was, we had a neighbor 
You know where the church office is now? So that house used to belong to Mark Miller, and Mark Miller um, was our neighbor. And for about five years before Mark passed, uh, we would share the gospel with him. And uh, probably once every, you know, once or twice a month, we'd go over there and share the gospel with him, have a cup of coffee, and just kind of talk about the things of the Lord. And um, before he passed away, I had an opportunity to go over there and um, and and uh, one final conversation, and he prayed the sinner's prayer. And uh, but it was through gentle. Um, instruction over the course of a long period of time that finally opened his heart to the work of the Lord. So Paul is instructing Timothy to help others. And we, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have this responsibility to help others with gentle instruction. In doing so, Perhaps God will change their hearts and they will learn the truth. I was talking to a gal earlier today during first service, before first service, and uh, she was talking about how her dad passed away at about 86, 87 years old. And he had been an atheist his whole life. But the last like weeks of his life, she had the opportunity to gently instruct him in the truth and to share the gospel with him. And before he died, he accepted the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, being an atheist for like 86 years. So God is up to good all the days of our lives. And if we will never give up, but continue to ask and seek and knock and pray for our loved ones and continue to gently instruct them in the truth, God will do amazing and wonderful things. I can't tell you how many people I've prayed for over the years, family members and friends who some took 30 years praying for, talking to, encouraging them in truth, and then finally, at the end of their lives, gave their life to the Lord. But the, the beauty of the Lord is that he takes us at our last day or anywhere you know, in our lives. But man, the beauty of the Lord is, uh, is when we choose him early, is that we get to walk with him all the days of our lives. We get to experience his peace and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things, that's fruit of the Lord working in our lives, fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us. And we can experience all of those things if we just choose to honor the Lord now, today. So maybe you're here today and you said, man, I, I've been putting this off. I haven't trusted the Lord. Or, or maybe you're here today and you've been distant from the Lord or you've backslidden and, um, and your heart's been far from the Lord. I would just encourage you today to refresh yourself in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So confess your sin to him, acknowledge your need for him, and watch what God will do to wash over your life. I think about the prodigal who left his father, and when he decided, he came to his senses and came back, prodigal was received with open arms, a party was thrown for him, a ring was put on his finger, a robe on his back. Great celebration. That's what God will do when you choose to return. And that's what God does when any sinner turns and repents. And so don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Continue to ask and seek and not continue to pray and watch, watch what God will do. Paul's instructing Timothy to help others in doing so. Perhaps God will change their hearts and they will learn the truth. So what can we do to help others avoid the dangers of the last day? And we're going to talk about what the last days look like as we get into chapter three, it just unfolds it for us. Um, number one, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. So I gave my life to the Lord in junior high school, but I kind of vacillated in my faith for all my, all of my, most of my high school years. 
junior high and high school years. I gave my life to the Lord, but didn't know what to do with my faith. And so I would go to church on Sunday, and was even helping out in Sunday school. But when I was outside of church, I was doing the wrong stuff. I was doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. And uh, so the problem with that is I had a guilty conscience. So I would tell my youth pastor every time I did something wrong. And at one point he said, hey, Steve, until you kind of get this stuff sorted out, until you decide what you want to do with your life, whether you're going to serve the church or serve the Lord or serve the world, you need to, you need to take a break from teaching Sunday school. I said, you can't do that. <laughs> at first I was kind of mad, you know, he said, well, I just did. But the reality of his discipline and his instruction was, was, uh, was helpful to me. And as I thought about it and considered it, it was really a, uh, an opportunity for me to make a choice. Will I serve the Lord wholeheartedly or will I continue to vacillate in my faith the rest of my life? And so the challenge, the instruction, the gentle instruction that I received actually put me on a proper path and gave me an opportunity forward as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there was no condemnation. He wasn't judging me necessarily. He just said, hey, based on what you've told me, you need to take a break from your work in the Sunday school department until you just kind of figure out what you want to do with your life. So he said, you can't serve in this area for a while. And uh, so it just challenged me and awakened me, and it allowed me to make a, a choice without... With, with, so I've heard of so many people who have been injured by the church, and um, I talked with a couple a couple weeks ago, and I said, why aren't you in church? They said, well, we've been injured by the church. I said, well, who hasn't been injured by the church, right? I mean, like, the church is full of people, and the church is full of broken people. So if you come to church, chances are you're going to get your, stu- your toe stubbed, and something's get, somebody's going to say something or do something, and it's going to be hurtful. or And so... You know, I, I've had poor treatment by a doctor. That doesn't mean I stop going to a doctor, right? I just keep going forward. So, so uh, we, we need to, by God's grace, lovingly instruct people, giving them an opportunity to move forward, not condemning them, and not giving them a way forward. We need to instruct in such a way that people have room to repent and a path forward in the church. It is God's kindness that leads people to repentance, according to Romans 2. So when you're tempted to be harsh, when you're tempted to be unloving, when you're tempted to be critical, remember your own struggle with sin, and that will soften. If we get honest about our own struggle with sin, our own struggle with temptation, if we get honest about what God has done to deliver us and the extent to which God went to deliver us, it will soften us when we're dealing with people who are stuck in sin themselves. We can remember, I'm giving my testimony tomorrow night at M6. It's a men's group that gathers a few hundred people. And as as I've been thinking about my testimony, I thought this is how I always instruct people to give their testimony. What What was your life like BC, like your BC days before Christ? And then what triggered your life change and brought you to the cross? And then what has God done since the cross? And so that's kind of how I'm going to break it up, three-part message tomorrow night about my story. And it just began to get me thinking about my story again. And we need to think about our, our path, our, our story, because it refreshes us in the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe God's done a bunch of a mar- marvelous things, wonderful things, but it's been 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 60 years, and you've forgotten how incredibly good God is, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his love. His patience, 
all of those things. So be refreshed in your own story, and then you can instruct people with gentleness. And watch the fruit of that. I was talking to a guy in between services, and he said, hey, my grandpa Fred, he's got stage four colon cancer. I'm going to go pick him up, and I'm looking for an opportunity to share the gospel with him. How do I share the gospel with my grandpa Fred? I said, well, just be, just be prayerful. I said, this is how we do everything in the kingdom. We're prayerful first. We're praying for God's opportunity to open up, and we're listening, and we're uh, in tune to what God is doing in the person's life. And I said, it's just like anything else you're excited about. I said, well, I, I'm excited about golf, and I'm excited about God. So in the course of any conversation, I might talk about golf or God, depending on the situation. So just make sure it's natural. Don't force it. Don't you know, do a sales pitch. But when there's an opportunity, just begin to talk about the Lord and see what he will do. To be clear, I'm excited more about God than golf. I don't want anybody to be confused about that. <laughs> golf didn't save me, but it is awfully fun on a Monday afternoon to go play some golf. So. so remember your own struggle with sin. Remember what God did to rescue you. Remember the mercy and grace that you received. Then extend that same mercy and grace to others. Sometimes we, we're struggling with somebody's sin because maybe it reminds us of somebody else. Or it reminds us of our own past and our own sin, and it makes us jaded, and it hinders our ability to minister effectively, but most likely that's the person that God has placed in your life to minister to effectively. So I said this, I say this all the time, whatever it is that God has asked us to do, it requires that we be humble and dependent on God and filled with the Holy Spirit, reflecting his life and his word in everything that we do, and then as we do those things, we're able to do fruitfully what God has asked us to do. So that doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love, right? So sometimes we dance around the issues with the woman at the well. Jesus is at the well, and he addresses the woman's sin. He said, go get your husband. And uh, he said, she said, oh, I'm not married. And he said, yeah, you're right. I've been, you've been married, what, five times? And the guy that you're living with now is not your husband. And uh, what did she do? She ran into the city and she said, come meet the guy who told me everything that I'd ever done, right? <laughs> so she'd been confronted lovingly by Jesus about her sin. And then she was convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and she was changed. And the whole city heard the gospel. What can we do to help others avoid the dangers of the last day? Gently instruct. Instruct those who oppose the truth. And then number two, know the season and the times. We need to understand the season and the times in which we live. What do the last days look like? Luke 12, 56, in the New Living Translation, speaking to the crowd, Jesus said, You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. So we can look at the sky and say, Ah, it's going to be a nice day. I think I'll go to the beach. Or, no, it looks like it's going to rain. I should have my umbrella today. We're able to look at the signs in the sky and determine what the weather's going to be like. But we can't determine the signs of the times that we are living in. And sometimes we're blinded to it. Sometimes we're not paying attention to it. But we can be aware, and we should be aware, of the signs of the times. If you'd like help keeping up with what is happening in the last days, especially in the Middle East, if you need help understanding the prophecies that are unfolding, you can download the app called Telegram. Telegram thank you. And follow Amir Sarfati on that. So Telegram is a great, I just found out about it uh, recently. And so um, Amir is a, um, 
guy from the Middle East who just stays on top of a biblical prophecy that's unfolding in our lifetime. And um, you'll get daily updates on what's happening in the Middle East. And uh, um, it's a hotbed for prophecy, and it's a hotbed for what God is going to be doing in the end times and what he's doing now. And so if you'd like to know uh, more about it, check that out. Amir has about, to be clear, there's counterfeit Amir websites, Sarfati uh, websites, and so, or uh, Instagram, uh, Telegram accounts, and so he's got 125,000 followers, so you want to be careful to make sure that you're following the right guy, so find the guy that's got over 125,000 followers, and that's who you want to follow, so that's Telegram, Amir, um, also he's got a Behold Israel app and website, so you can check that out as well, Behold Israel, Amir Sarfati, um, Anyway, check it out. It'll just help you. It'll just help you day to day. And I'm so grateful for the resource and been reading it every day. So let's get into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Very difficult times. And so we're talking about for the last 2,000 years, the church has had very difficult times. But leading up to the return of Christ, it's going to get increasingly difficult you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. So now we're going to see what this will look like. People will love only themselves and their money. People will be self-centered and narcissistic. Uh, it's interesting because Lucifer said, I will be like the most high God. So he was self-centered and narcissistic. So it's not curious, it's not, it's not surprising that he would tempt people in the area that he was tempted, he said, I will be like, imagine standing before God and said, I will be like the most high God. You've got to be pretty delusional about who you are. But that's where he was. And for the rest of humanity's history, he's been tempting people the same way. Colossians verse, uh, continue, verse 2 continues, uh, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. So boasting is just an indication that there's pride internally. And so we need to be careful because whatever's going on out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we've got pride in our heart, we will be boasting. And we need to be clear that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. But this is a sign of the end times. People will become increasingly proud and boastful, scoffing at God. The word's literally blaspheming God. Uh, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. And we've noticed that even just in the 21st century with our church here. We used to have lots of weddings here at Harvest Church. It's a cute little chapel, spot for people to get married, and so people would use the classrooms to, um, you know, dress and that sort of thing. And we, so we would say, hey, please don't drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes in our buildings. Simple request, right? Almost inevitably, almost every time, we would show up and people would be smashed, and this is not always, but sometimes church people as well, and they'd be smoking and drinking in our rooms, and so you'd wake up uh, Sunday morning, go into the classrooms, and what it, would, it would smell like a bar in there, right? Cigarettes and alcohol. So we had to stop, basically, for the most part, having weddings here, especially for the public, because they were just thrashing our facility, and they had no, they considered nothing sacred. We've had to set up video cameras all over, inside and outside of the property, because this is a thoroughfare, which is great. We love that people come through. We invite kids to come and play basketball on our basketball courts, and we just love it. But inevitably, 
Um, people will, we've had people break into our facilities, stealing from us, vandalizing our property, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so now we have to have doors locked. Back in the day, remember you watch these old films and the church doors are always open, right? So people can come in and pray. If we did that, the whole place would be destroyed and looted and there would be nothing left for Sunday morning. <laughs> it's just a crazy world that we live in. And so nothing is considered sacred um, in this day and age. And so we just, uh, just, we have to be aware of the seasons and the times and adapt but keeping our hearts tender because we don't want to be hard-hearted toward the world. Otherwise, we're not doing what God has called us to do. So we're to love those. We talked about this last week, love those who are difficult. <laughs> we can only do these things as we're filled with the Holy Spirit and his word and allowing God to be God through us. Verse 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. Again, this makes sense. The very thing that defines the gospel, God's love and forgiveness, is what the enemy tempts people to resist. I've noticed that when a person hasn't received the love and forgiveness of God, they have a hard time extending love and forgiveness to others. So maybe it's been a while since you've experienced the love and the forgiveness of God. Refresh yourself in that truth. Rehearse that truth that God's love is unconditional. Maybe you're feeling distant from the Lord because you've made some mistakes. And you're feeling like the Lord doesn't love you. God absolutely loves you. His love is unconditional. And so whatever mistakes you've made, know that when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. Know that his forgiveness is for you. I have to remind myself sometimes that the gospel's for me. Right? If I stumble, ah, oh, the gospel's for me. If I say something I shouldn't say, ah, the gospel's for me, right? I need to remember that the gospel's for me. That refreshes me in the Lord. It keeps me humble, and it keeps my heart in the right place so that I might minister effectively to people in the church and people outside of the church. A few weeks ago, I challenged everybody a couple weeks in a row to be taking the gospel to the streets, as it were, to share the gospel. And so I just want to continue to encourage you to do that as part of your Job, your responsibility as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, love people. The passage in 2 Timothy that we studied last week told us to be kind to everyone. And again, this is impossible if one has not experienced the kindness of God personally. So know the season. This is the last days, and it's our time to gently instruct people who oppose the truth. Right? Sometimes we just get frustrated. Wow, the world's falling apart. Wow, the world's going to, going to pot. It is. It is. <laughs> but as the world gets darker, our light gets brighter, and we have an opportunity before us. And so love people, by the grace of God, difficult people, and see what God will do. 2 Timothy 3.3 continues, They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. What's the power that can make us godly? The Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible. <laughs> Those two things make us holy. Now, the holiness of God has been imputed to us, but our lives 
are made holy by our actions. So we are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible help us to, uh, help us to walk in that godly life that he's called us to live. So the Holy Spirit is you know, there to, it's a person, second, uh, third member of the Trinity. We're, the Holy Spirit is meant to convict the world of sin and of righteousness. So when we're struggling, he convicts us. When we need challenge, he challenges us. Uh, he speaks to us. He's taken up residency in our lives, but we got to invite him also. We got to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? It's part of the, the abiding with God that we talked about last week, allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. The Holy Bible, uh, the last couple of verses that we'll look at today is verses 16 and 17, and I'll just read those really quickly. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. So we're talking about the Old and the New Testament, the canon of God, inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So you can't do what God has asked you to do in the earth, not for long anyway. You might be able to muster up some spiritual energy or something and, and do what God has asked you to do for a moment, but you'll never be able to do it long term. And with great fruitfulness, and the kind of fruitfulness that God desires to produce in your life. So, be a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God to speak to you, to minister through you, to equip you for the work that God has called you to. And then open up the Word of God every single day. Every day. I know I beat that like a drum, but that is the reality of the situation. You've got to open up the Word every day. I'm in a uh, seminary-level class, and um, it's, I love it because they take you back to the basics in this class, and they say, go back and reread Genesis through the Song of Solomon and do it over the next two months. And I'm, at first I was like, ah, oh, this is a lot of reading. It's going to be kind of a bummer. But then I changed my mind, and this is what we have to do. We have to change our mind about the Scripture. We often think, it's, oh, it's a bummer. It's just going to take up time. It's not worth my time. It is worth our time. And so th instead of thinking about this as, as an assignment for myself, I decided to think of it differently and say, you know what, this is an opportunity for me just to be deep in the Word and see what the Lord will speak to me, as well as, you know, get my assignments done and that sort of thing. So now I'm reading, I don't know, 10, 12 chapters a day, sometimes 15 chapters a day, just to get through that text. And, but I'm reading through it just kind of thoughtfully. Sometimes we rush through our devotional time, but the Lord wants us to just, it doesn't take that much extra time to read through it thoughtfully and make it a time of devotion where you're, what you're doing is you're examining your own life in light of the scripture. You're saying, God, speak to me through this scripture. The culture and the context may be difficult for me to grasp, but I know that you've got something to speak to me. The word of God is, uh, it's a double-edged sword. It cuts and divides and reveals and communicates and there's just something powerful about it but we need to change our minds about the word of God and begin to uh, think about it differently and open it up every single day verse 5 again says they will act religious so Paul isn't just talking about people in the world he's also talking about people in the church People who act religious, godless men and women who claim to know God but are wolves in sheep's clothing. This is what they do, verse 6. They are, kind, they are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings 
but they are never able to understand the truth. And so Paul is addressing something that is happening currently in the church at Ephesus, but he's also addressing what godless people do in the earth, those people who are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are pretending or acting uh, pious, but they lack the power that can make them godly. So Paul is addressing the current in that day situation, but he's also addressing what's going on here. So we, we need to be careful if we are pious, religious, but lacking the word and the spirit, we're always going to be off. We're always going to be missing the mark. We're always going to be um, misunderstanding what God has called us to do, much like these women that Paul is talking about. They're forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. And so that's why we say keep going back to the truth. Keep going back to the truth. Get a good Bible. It's a good study Bible. Keep going back to it. Allow, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to direct you. Uh, we just prayed out a couple who are moving to Arkansas. And uh, I don't know why anybody would want to move to Arkansas. But apparently people are moving to Arkansas and Idaho and Oregon and all, all kinds of places. So we prayed them out. And uh, they said, hey, where we're living, there's 21 churches to choose from. I said, you know what? Pray. And watch the Holy Spirit direct you to the right church. Because you've got to be careful. So they're praying, and they're believing that the Holy Spirit's going to direct them, and then they will find a church that is good in Bible teaching and, and uh, aligns with their values as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that stuff? <laughs> or is it just kind of like, whatever? I mean, do we believe that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us and dwells in us richly and gives us the wisdom and instruction for life. It's part of the abiding walk with Jesus. We have to believe this kind of stuff. It's not hocus pocus. It's not magic. It's the real person of God living in us, directing us. I mean, it's real stuff. Like You don't have to ask, Lord, what pair of socks should I wear? I don't think he cares about that kind of stuff. But if you want to ask, go ahead. It's that kind of relation. I don't care if you ask God what kind of socks to wear. But you can ask him, Lord, is, you know, what do you want me to do with this resource? Lord, what do you want me to do with this day? I get up every morning and say, God, this day is yours. I just want to honor you with the day. And sometimes I get it. Sometimes I miss it. But, but that's the intention. I believe that God wants to speak to us and direct us. So as I go to work, Lord, what do you want me to do? Would you help me to encounter the right people? Help me not to be distracted by the wrong people. Help me to get the work done that I need to get done. And help me not to be worried about the stuff that I don't need to be worried about. Just watch what God will do. Verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. Who are Janus and Jambres? We don't really know from Scripture, but from uh, tradition, Hebrew tradition, Jewish tradition, these were most likely the uh, magicians in Pharaoh's court. So you go back to Exodus 7, 8, 9 in there. Um, there were... Uh, couple magicians who would do basically mimic the the miracles that God would perform. And we read about here in Exodus 7, verses 8 through 13, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. If we need a miracle, so miracles were given in the first century, and they're still given today um, to help people believe the truth. But if your day-to-day life requires a miracle from God before you trust him, uh, you, your, your faith is shallow and you're not going to make it. 
you're not going to make it long term and when things get difficult. There, uh, I went to Israel a couple years ago, a year and a half ago or so, and uh, our tour guide was Jewish, but he wasn't a Christian. But he knew about all the miracles that Jesus performed. And he talked about all the miracles that Jesus performed, but he still did not know Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they, they saw him raise the dead, feed the multitudes, heal the sick, do all of these amazing things, and they still refused to believe. Pharaoh will see the miracle, and he will refuse to believe. Show me a miracle. When he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down. Uh, in front of Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, and I don't know how that happened, and they became serpents. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, and Pharaoh's heart however, remained hard. His heart remained hard. He still refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. So if you're walking around expecting a miracle and you're throwing around down your staff, like, ah, oh, it didn't turn into a snake. I'm going to throw down another one. Uh, apparently God is not real. We put out fleeces before the Lord all the time. Lord, give me a financial miracle. Lord, give me a relationship miracle. Lord, give me a healing miracle. Lord, give me all of this stuff. And that's the expectation some of us have. And because God doesn't do our wish list, we kind of hold them at arm's length. The miracle that we need to be thinking about is the miracle on the cross where he died, the substitutionary death in my place imputing righteousness to me so that I might know him and know him for eternity and escape hell and death. That's the miracle. Jesus has done everything that he needs to do. And if he graces us with a miracle, praise the Lord, but I'm not serving him for the miracles. I'm serving him because he saved me and he's called me and he is worthy. And uh, so we need to get out of that deal-making perspective and uh, plan with God because he won't play your game. He loves you, but playing that game will keep you shallow and weak in your faith as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 9, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. They were few fools because they refused to believe Moses even when signs had been given. Why? Because they have depraved minds and counterfeit faith. How's your mind and how's your faith? We need to be careful to guard our minds. And that's, that's why last week I talked about protecting what we allow in. We do, we do that by protecting what we see through our eyes on the internet, on the television. So... There are different software programs that can be used. Uh, Covenant Eyes is one that you can download on your computer and, and uh, that will help filter the stuff. That actually, it doesn't filter, but it, you've got an accountability partner. So whatever you watch online, your accountability partner knows. So that's pretty awesome, right? And uh, so you need to be careful what you're, you're uh, doing. We have uh, VidAngel. You guys heard of VidAngel? It just kind of filters all of the trashy stuff on, on 
TV programs and movies and that sort of thing. So anyway, know the seasons of the times. Number one, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. This is how we help others. We gently instruct them. And then we know the seasons and the times so that we're not taken aback by them. And then number three, we remain faithful so we're able to help others. If we're not remaining faithful, we don't even have a desire to help others. We don't see the need to help others. But if we're, remaining, if we're remaining faithful like Paul talks about in verse 10, then we will. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. So we talk a lot about purpose around here. What's your purpose? What has God called you to do? Well, Paul knew what Timothy was up to, or Timothy knew what Paul was up to, what he taught, how he lived, and his purpose. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Why did Paul need faith, patience, love, and endurance? Why did he need faith, patience, love, and endurance? He needed faith, patience, love, and endurance because his life was hard. His life was hard. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured, verse 11. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. In those places, mobs were incited against Paul. Like people gathered and incited mobs. And at one point, they stoned him. They thought to death. They drug him outside of town to leave him there because they thought he was dead. The believers gathered around him. And as they gathered around him, he came to. And what did he do after he came to? He went back into the town. Why? Because he's, he's got work to do, right? He's got work to do. And even stoning, <laughs> even stoning was not going to keep him from doing what God had called him to do. I've endured. You know all about what I, perse- uh, all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord, this is an interesting statement that Paul makes, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Uh, mobs were incited against him. And he was stoned almost to death. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. What does that mean? We think the Lord's going to rescue us and take us out of all of our trouble. And we won't have any tribulation, troubles, or problems in the earth if we just trust the Lord. And we think if if we're experiencing tribulation or problems that we've obviously disappointed God. Paul was able to say the Lord rescued me from all of it because God resurrected him after his stoning, not that he was dead, but he healed him, got him up. I mean, the guy was left for dead. God absolutely had to heal him. You're getting pelted with stones in the head, and you're getting knocked. God had to heal him so that he could get back up. doesn't say he was dead, so he didn't get resurrected, but he, was, he had to get healed. So what Paul's saying is, hey, the Lord was faithful. The Lord rescued me in that he got me back up on my feet so I can go back and do what God had asked me to do. Right? When God was done with Paul, they cut his head off. That's a pretty good indication that uh, God is done with you. So keep going, (laughs) keep going until they do the same, right? Keep going. Your head's still attached. Oh, good. I got work to do. Yes, and everyone who wants, oh, this is interesting and encouraging. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So this happened in Paul's day, and it will happen as the end time events unfold and as demonic opposition to God's people and God's plan unfold. I'm told from things that I read that there's actually more persecution of the church today in the 21st century than the previous 20 centuries combined. Isn't that interesting? Not in our town. You know, not much anyway. I mean, I don't know if anybody's been stoned lately or... Mobs incited or had their head cut off. 
But in other parts of the world, Israel's a war zone right now. Just Friday, uh, Hezbollah you know, dropped 19 um, rockets, shot 19 rockets at Israel and uh, northern Israel, and, and they've been in a war zone. Why, well, they're God's people. And so for almost since the, the inception, the beginning of Israel's history, they've been in a battle somewhere because the enemy hates God's people. Who are God's people? Well, it's the Jews, but then if you know Jesus, you've been grafted in, so you're part of God's people, and so you're going to be under, under, uh, in a battle zone, and uh, you're going to be up against um, obstacles, and um, you can be sure that Satan is interested in just discouraging you. If you want to find out why Israel are God's chosen people, just go back and read the Pentateuch. Go back and read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and watch the story of God unfold. It's still unfolding today. And uh, it's just helpful for us to go back and have that understanding. Sometimes we avoid the Old Testament, but it's actually a foundation for the new and helps us to understand the whole Bible as a whole. Back to the description of what the last days will look like. Verse 13, but evil people and imposters will thrive. They will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful, verse 14 says. You must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So how can we help others avoid the dangers of the last days? Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Figure out a way to do that. Lovingly, graciously, mercifully, instruct with the truth. Know the seasons and the times. Don't let it freak you out, but let it prepare you and remain faithful so you're able to help others. With that, let's go ahead and stand up, all of us, and we'll invite the worship team out, and we will worship some more with a couple more songs, and, um, and we will wrap up this service. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you that you have been here through the worship, through the fellowship, through the times of prayer, through the teaching of your word, Lord, we thank you that your presence is obvious. And so we pray, God, that you would continue to speak to us as we worship you. God, revealing, God, reveal yourself to us in wonderful ways, Lord God. Um, God, refresh our hearts and minds. Bring conviction where we need conviction and do the work that uh, you do in our lives. It's the work that only you can do, Lord. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Bless the work at 102 down the road, Lord, that new facility. Bless that, we pray. Thank you for providing for it. God, you know the obstacles in front of us with the electrical stuff that's in front of us and the plumbing stuff and all of the, uh, all of the challenges, Lord. We, we just give those to you and trust you, Lord. So thank you for your goodness and faithfulness through every season and project of life. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
Lord, we pray that our praise will be pleasing to you. We honor you this morning. We humble ourselves, confess that you are the one true holy God, worthy of all praise. We ask you to give us strength to walk with you this week, Lord. 